This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. My name is Mike Keith. Her name is Amy Wells. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. We have several topical things here to hit on this edition of the OTP. And later, we're going to play something from the Titans huddle and there were two of them earlier this week and it was something for season ticket members that was done virtually and the thing that we're going to play which I think is really exciting is a roundtable that I did with team president Burke Nihill and team senior vice presidents Gil Beverly and Adolfo Birch where we talk about the stadium renovation plan for Nissan Stadium and the East Bank development. And then we we took a bunch of questions from fans about those things. And as we've talked with Titans fans since that news came out in December, everybody's excited about what this is going to be. And we wanted to share it on the OTP because I, I thought there was some really good stuff to come out of that conversation. So that's coming up late. Can't wait. Lots of useful information in there. And you're absolutely right. Fans are fired up. You say stadium renovations and you start talking about the Titans expanding their footprint a little bit. People get really fired up. So the more information we can provide, that's what we're here to do on the OTP. Well, that and the fact that now we know the Titans don't want a new stadium. Nobody's moving anywhere. The organization has made it clear for quite some time that they love the footprint of Nissan Stadium. They love the location. The stadium itself, in terms of watching a ball game, has always been a great place to be. It sits in an important part of town in terms of development. It's easy to get to from downtown. And it was as if people didn't really believe that for like the last five years. Like, oh, yeah, sure, you're just saying that because you're trying to get a new one out and so-and-so. It's like, no, really, we like it here. And after it came out in December, this is what we want to do. We want to take this house that we built – in 1997, 98, 99. We want to take this house that we built because we like the lot and we like the neighborhood and we like our neighbors and we want to modernize it. We, wa- we want to give it some bells and whistles. And now people believe that. And so they're saying, okay, what are the bells and whistles? And then the part that I think is really exciting is the neighborhood aspect because East Nashville is crazy blown up. Crazy. Crazy. I'll never forget, my first day on the job here was May 26, 1998. And I didn't have a car at the time because I was I was getting a, a car. And so I was living with my parents, and my dad drove me to work. Oh, Mike. Right? That's cute. Well, I had had a car in my last job, and I had to turn it in. So, uh, yes. so I was without a vehicle. And so my dad drove me to work. And we drove through East Nashville, and there was a lot of construction going on, so we had to go all the way around East Nashville to the stadium. And, man, there was just nothing there, just nothing. Fast forward 23 years almost. I'm down here in early to mid-March. I can't remember why I was down, but I was was in East Nashville, and I was driving around, and I thought, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. All the... 
the shops and the restaurants and people milling about. You got people running and walking and they're walking their dogs and they got strollers. And then you got people just hanging out, doing things, sitting at an outdoor cafe. And the thought occurred to me, if they don't build this stadium here 20 something years ago, this doesn't happen. And now they're going to do all these other things here. And it's going to make this neighborhood get even better because of the design of the development. And it's still being formulated. But the whole idea is to make the neighborhood even better. Absolutely. I think, and I would argue, Mike, you've been, have you been to every stadium in the NFL? Well, I have not been to Los Angeles yet. Okay. That counts. I have not been to... I guess Los Angeles is the only one I haven't been to. And Las Vegas. And Las Vegas. Okay. Las Vegas, but yes. But still, I mean, that's a lot. I've been to a lot of them, almost all of them. And I would argue that Nissan Stadium is one of the best in terms of location. Oh, yeah. It's easy to get to. The proximity to downtown cannot be beat. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just in a good spot with the river and everything around there. There is not a better place to watch a ball game than Nissan Stadium. Right. And so to your point about investing in the neighborhood and really seeing that continue to grow and expand and bring more things to that space only amplifies how great that space already is. Mm -hmm. So to have the Titans kind of getting involved in that aspect of kind of improving the neighborhood. Right is so cool. And I am so looking forward to that conversation and all of the things that come after it. I would love to live in East Nashville. We're not cool enough to live in East Nashville. I'm not, you're not either. But I'm saying I would have never thought that it would become the destination that it has become for so many people. I can understand how you would, I mean, the people who do, you can walk basically everywhere. You can bike. You can scooter. You can do, I mean, whatever you want to do. And you can do your grocery shopping in the neighborhood. You know your neighbors. You can go to the ball game. Um, it's just really cool. And I, I just think about how the stadium, how Nissan Stadium has been an anchor in all of this and how I think it's going to continue to enhance the neighborhood because it, it's very much a part of East Nashville, and it belongs in East Nashville, and I think they're going to tailor the renovations to make it fit even better that it's not just a ball yard. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a full experience. So if you bring the family to Nashville for a weekend, there's enough stuff for you to do around the right. stadium for everybody, Right. which is so cool. I've Never had, like, the game day experience at Nissan Stadium that our fans do because, obviously, I'm working. working. So it changes my timeline a little bit. But I have been there for concerts and things like that. Being able to walk into Nissan Stadium, enjoy a concert, and then walk out and walk downtown if you want to. Or walk to East Nashville mm -hmm. and go to a restaurant or go to a bar and just kind of continue the evening is such a cool thing to oh. have so much within walking distance. Well, it's big city living. It's big city living with a small town feel. Which we didn't and envision 40 years ago, certainly 30 years ago, nobody envisioned that Nashville would have that kind of vibe. Gosh, 
10 years ago. Well, it's true. I mean, it really has changed even in 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, since the flood, it's it's like in that, which is now 11 years ago, so much has been improved, and there's still so much room to grow. And Burke Nihill and Gil Beverly and Adolfo Birch hit that, and we're going to play that later in this OTP in case you missed it, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Now, let's do a couple other things. 17th game this week. Woohoo! It's not... It's not this week. We found out we're getting a 17th game this week. Better put. Yep. At the owner's meeting. I'm here to help. Okay. So let me run down some details with you. And I, you have these notes as well. Okay. 17 games over 18 weeks. So no double buys. Nope. The season will just go a week longer. So we're going to start at the same time. The NFL is not starting a season on Labor Day. And the reason is simple. TV. TV ratings were a disaster when the season started on Labor Day. People are doing other things. People are doing other things, especially in other parts of the country where school doesn't start until after Labor Day. Labor Day is a getaway holiday weekend in this part of the country, but in different parts of the country, it's the last weekend of summer. Yep. So HUD levels is what they're called, and that's the viewing ratings is what it's judged on hud levels for watching tv were half of what they would be before i believe that so the season is starting thursday september 9th the regular season will go a week longer into january and so the postseason starts january 15th the super bowl is now the second sunday in february one week later than normal the Pro Bowl will be played the first weekend in February. Where is the Pro Bowl this year? Las Vegas. Vegas. It'll be so, a little bit warmer. Okay, February 6th in Las Vegas for the 2022 Pro Bowl. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles mm. on February the 13th. Okay, the 17th game is going to allow more international play. So exciting. All 32 teams will be required to play internationally once every eight years. Right. So that's a good thing. Four neutral site games per year, and that's North America, obviously, and that's Europe with a lot of talk about Germany, which excites me because Germans love American football. They love it. I believe you. That wasn't what I expected you to say. What did you think I was going to say? I expected you to say, I really want to go to Germany. I do. I, I love German food. I do. The German culture is fascinating to me. I don't know. I didn't expect you to I don't you know to much like, about the German culture. Well, but uh, you'll find out when we get there. But they love American football. When, when we had NFL Europe, the German teams did the best of anybody in terms of how they were followed. And yep. obviously, London. Of course. Which was still one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, let alone football experiences, was playing in London. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. And I think there's going to be a team in London within 10 years. Whoa. I think that would be great. I think there's a following for it. I think logistically it's complicated, but I think it can get figured out. It can be worked out. I, I agree with you. It can be worked out. The other part of it, too, is they have two stadiums that are NFL ready. Which is great. Well, you can make money. Yeah, you can. Which... When they built the stadiums, they did it with the idea in mind that someday they would have a chance. I think it's great. Smart. Yes. Why did this happen? Well, it's been talked about for years. The NFL has not expanded the schedule since 1978. 
I'm old enough to remember the 77 season, which was the last 14-game season, and then 78 was the first 16-game season. So it had been 43 years. The players, although, you know, some are not elated about it, they voted to ratify the new collective bargaining agreement knowing that a 17th game was coming because they understood that with a 17th game, it would help the TV rights to go up, and the new TV rights deal is valued at an estimated $105 billion with a B over the next 11 years. The players also know that because the 17th game goes in, their percentage of gross adjusted revenues rises automatically. So they go from roughly 48% of gross adjusted revenues to nearly 49% over the life of the contract. Interesting. It's estimated that that means an extra couple hundred million dollars for the players. What's another couple well, hundred million? Well, and that's where they're going to get paid. People say, are you going to get paid more for the extra game? And the answer is yes. Over the course of the collective bargaining agreement, that money goes back in, and so salaries will go up. The The salary cap is going to rise dramatically starting in 2023 with the new TV deal. I have questions on the 17th game. Go. My first question is more of a statement from the player side. So it's not a question. No, it's a statement now that I think about it. From the player side, I can see their point in maybe some of them having some displeasure, even though they voted that this was a thing they were okay with. It was part of the CBA. We all knew it was coming. It was not a surprise. Yes. And they are being compensated for this 17th game. All of that. The injury thing is tricky because you're extending the season longer because it's, I mean, tack it on the beginning or the end. It doesn't really matter. I can see where some players, especially some older players, are concerned about adding an additional game and then making a playoff run. I can see that. You wonder if what's going to end up happening, though, is they will continue to make concessions about training camp, padded practices during the week, what sort of concessions we're going to see about the offseason because J.C. Treader, the head of the Players Union, has certainly brought up this week that he believes that a lot of the offseason should continue to be virtual by virtue of the number of injuries last year, which were not upped, and the quality of the play, which was excellent. Right. So, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, there's certainly going to be more give and take to come based on the fact that obviously some players are, are going to have and are going to raise concern. Absolutely. So here's my second question. Okay, this is this actually a question? This is an actual question. This would be your first question. Okay, second thought, first question. Go. How do we adjust for things like records with a new 17-game season? You don't. Really? No, you really don't because it's like there have been seven 2,000-yard rushers. Okay. Right. Only one of those guys did it in 14 games. That was O.J. Simpson. He was the only one. The other six are all 16-game 2,000-yard rushers. They're still called 2,000-yard rushers. I guess you still did it. But if you, you still do it, it in an extra. Yeah, I just I don't think it's going to matter. Some people may asterisk 
some things like, you know, and people talk about the fact that O.J. Simpson, with his 2,000-yard season in 73, averaged the most rushing yards per game. But he's still just called the 2,000-yard rusher the same as Derrick Henry is. Interesting. There's talk about that now. You're not the only one to bring that up. But I don't think that's going to be a thing. All right. Well, if you feel comfortable with well, it, no, you're the numbers guy I more than I am. Guy. So if you feel comfortable with it, I don't bump on it. But it was a thought that I had. Yeah, it was a good thought. That it might make some things muddy. Okay, so I left you with another sheet. Mike shared his notes with me today, guys. So I was going through the schedule. By the way, again, 2021 home schedule. Whoa. Buy tickets if you don't have season tickets and, and yet. By the way, Do they're, it. they're doing some special things with season with potential ticket packages in April. And for how long you have to pay? 565-4200. 615-565-4200. There's some good deals. Okay. So let's run through the schedule even though the actual schedule will not be out until after the draft according to what they're saying now. Yeah. We do not expect that until after the draft, like last year. I think it came out the second week in May. I think so. That seems to be what I'm remembering. So that's the talk about what's going to happen now. Now, they can change their mind, but we do know the opponents. And so we know that the Titans will play all three AFC South teams home and away. That's six of the games. Here are the away games. New England, New York Jets, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles Rams, Seattle. Wow. So the away games again, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, New England, the Jets, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles Rams, Seattle. Okay, those are the away games. Here are the home games. (laughs) We've got a few quarterbacks coming into (laughs) Nissan State. Yeah. So three AFC South teams, Buffalo. Yep. Miami. Yep. Kansas City. Up, sure. Kyler Murray and Arizona. San Francisco, it's going to be third pick in the draft. It's either Jimmy G or, I mean, it could be Mac Jones. I mean, it's going to be, everybody thinks it's going to be a quarterback they're going to take. Yeah, fine. And then the ninth regular season home game, New Orleans. Wow. Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. So, again, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, Arizona, San Francisco, New Orleans. Six AFC South games, three home and three away. Four games against the AFC East, two home and two away. Four games against the NFC West, two home and two away. The Titans matched up with the like finishing team in the AFC West. That was Kansas City because the Titans are the 2020 AFC South champions. So Kansas City comes to Nashville. The Titans are at the like-finishing team in the AFC North. That's Pittsburgh, so the Titans will go to Pittsburgh. And then the 17th game against an NFC team, this year against the like-finishing NFC South team, New Orleans. I'll tell you what, when you win your division, the gifts just keep on coming because that's fun. Obviously, hosting a home playoff game was super fun. Game didn't go how you want, but being in the playoffs is fun. And then your schedule for the next season is also very fun. Right. I mean, you're playing with the big boys. 100%. 
I'm excited right now. Well, it's this gonna be is a fun season. This is a primetime television schedule. Yeah, this, it is. This is where you're going to end up with three or four primetime games. Yep. Because of who you're playing. Yep. This is grown man football. It right is grown here. man football. 2022, the Titans match up against the AFC West and the NFC East, and the 17th game opponent, the NFC North at the NFC North, as it stands now. So this year, the AFC teams are home for the 17th game. Next year, the NFC teams home for the 17th game. But next year would be NFC North. So we could go to Green Bay, we could go to Minnesota, we could go to Chicago, we could go to Detroit. What's that look? Those are all cold. I know. All right, 2023, AFC North, NFC South, And then the home game for the 17th game, it's expected to be home, NFC West. That's 2023. 2024, NFC East. So the 17th game rotation for the Titans. NFC South this year, New Orleans. Next year, at NFC North, 2023, NFC West, 2024, NFC East. Very interesting. A lot of information. I wish we were more visual and we had graphics, but I thought it was worth a mention on the old OTP. It's all on TennesseeTitans.com. Oh, it is? Well, there are graphics there for the schedule, and that's where you can buy your tickets to the games. So, TennesseeTitans.com. 615-565-4200. If your computer's broken. Well, you can call. call. Yeah, you you can can order online. TennesseeTitans.com. All right, so one more interesting topic. Titans add a special teamer, Matthias Fairley, 5'11", 204, safety from Notre Dame. He started 15 games in 2017 for the Colts, but for the Jets, the last three years, he's been primarily a special teams player. That's okay. The Titans can use special teams players. They can, and they can use safety help because as I have them right now at safety, you have Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker who you would figure are the starters, Byard for sure, probably Hooker. Then Dane Crookshank, Maurice Smith, and Matthias Farley. Corners right now, I have Janoris Jenkins, Breon Borders, Chris Jackson, Christian Fulton, Kevin Johnson, and Kareem Orr. Yep. Need secondary depth. Yeah. Say that's coming in the draft in four weeks. I was going to say there's a, a big event where we can get some more players just around the corner. So that'll be fun to watch. The other area, as I broke down the roster, was inside linebacker. Titans are actually okay in terms of depth at outside linebacker, although they could use another one. And certainly in the draft and in, and in further free agency, they could add them. But, man, they do not have much depth at inside linebacker. It's – Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, and David Long, and then a couple of, of young guys who, you know, maybe maybe make it, maybe don't. And you only keep four or five at that spot anyway. If you're keeping more guys to play special teams at other positions, you don't have to keep quite as many. And Ola Adani told us he can play inside as well, although he is listed as an outside linebacker. Right. But free agency is still here. Even though it has slowed to a crawl at this point. Oh, yeah. It is all but, uh, you don't want to say stopped, but not moving very fast. But 
after the draft, once teams are able to bulk up in certain positions and then see what's still out there, right. you can see another push kind of in that space between the draft and training camp. So that's a position that I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward. Okay. Also, offensive line is going to be an area where you're, you're figuring the Titans are interested in guys in the draft. Tight end is a position where you're interested, for sure. Although the Titans have currently five tight ends under contract. Jeff Swaim, Anthony Ferkser, Parker Hesse, Tommy Hudson, and then Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt, who I'm going to be very interested to see. He's an intriguing player. Had some good games at Vanderbilt and kind of faded later in his career. Was with the Falcons for part of last year. The other spot is obviously wide receiver. Yep. The Titans have nine receivers under contract. A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Cameron Batson, Cody Hollister, Richard Davis, a veteran by the name of Marcus Johnson, a veteran by the name of Chester Rogers, and then Mason Kenzie, who was an undrafted rookie last year out of Barry College, who did some pretty good things in training camp. But, I mean, receiver is going to be a position where they're not only going to want to add bodies, they're going to want to add competition. And and I think they probably are still in the market for a veteran who's out there. The market has not been incredibly good for free agent wide receivers. And so the amount of players who are available at a really good price I think is going to continue to grow. Right. And I think that's another area where – you always kind of keep your eyes on it and see what's moving and kind of what other teams are doing. But you always have an eye on some of the names that are out there too because, yes, you want to get some young guys in here. You want to get maybe there's somebody in the draft or a couple guys in the draft. Maybe there's some undrafted free agents that you could bring in. But having that veteran presence is so valuable and having someone who can come in and make an impact right away is so helpful. There's a lot of options out there. Looking at this team just kind of on paper right now, there's a lot of places for John Robinson to work with mm-hmm. in the next couple weeks. And that's really exciting to me. Not feeling like, oh my gosh, he really has a gaping hole in this spot. There's a lot of areas to work with here. There's a lot of moves that can happen. It's a really exciting time for John Robinson, I think. Well, he's increased the numbers at some key areas with the free agent signings and the re-signings. Right. And, and they put some players under futures contracts. Like one interesting player under a futures contract, Dalen Mack, a defensive lineman, 6'1", 340, second-year player out of Texas A&M. And, I mean, he's a, he's a road grader type of – you know, that's a guy who has a chance. Julian Taylor, 6'5", 280, third-year man out of Temple. Interesting player at that, what they call the five technique, the 3-4 defensive end. You know, and we're looking forward to seeing Tier Tart back for year two in the middle. But there are going to be more people available. You know, as I as I did this and and sort of compiled the players at different positions, it's not really a depth chart, it's just – in terms of numbers at spots, you can see where John Robinson is balancing out the numbers so he does not have the gaping hole. He has 66 on the roster as we're recording this. Okay, yeah. You go to 90 for training camp. You have nine draft picks. 
You have undrafted free agents to sign. But the other thing, I think, I think a lot of teams with the money as tight as it is, I think a lot of teams are going to get through the draft and they're going to say, we got a tight end who we really love. And so we're going to say goodbye to expensive veteran tight end and save the money because we're going to take that money and go spend it on a safety who we need right now. Right. My belief is free agency is going to go well into June. Yep, I agree with that. Because I think they're going to be players cut after the draft, maybe an inordinate number due to the tight finances, and then I think guys are going to be looking for the best deal that they can make, and they're going to have to take whatever they can. Well, and to your point about the money being tight, these are still players who can produce. Oh, yeah. These are guys who aren't being cut because they did anything wrong, aren't good players, any of those things. They're being cut because money is so tight. And what a bargain can another team get on a really good player? And the fairness to them is they got paid in 2020. Yep. No, no player suffered financially in 2020 because we had a whole season coming off a successful 2019 with a salary cap that was over $198 million. By playing, it was, it was very good for the players and great for the fans and great for the game and whatever. But everybody knew that when you lose several billion dollars of revenue, that number, because they are those 48% partners, yep. the players get the salary cap for the whole league based on 48% of gross adjusted revenues. And so as those 48% partners, if that if that large pool goes down $4 billion, they lose... Some money. Some money. And so they're going to be looking for spots. Let's say you're a 30-year-old safety who can really still play. You're saying to yourself, I want to go to the situation where I can play my best because next year I can recoup that money. Yep. I can get a new long-term deal. Yep. You got to bite the bullet for a year, play, prove your worth, and then go from there. So Titans fans, if the Titans don't sign a – Defensive back between now and the draft. Don't panic. And if they don't draft three defensive backs over Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, don't panic because I think that extra period, that third tier of free agency is going to be even bigger. How exciting. It's just, it's an interesting offseason. It's like you get another shot of excitement. Yeah. In a time that usually is kind of after the eh. draft, things are kind of like, eh. it kind of dies off for a while. This could be another round. And that is no April Fool's joke. That is no, I can't believe it took us this long to, to say reference anything April, Fo- April Fool's. There is nothing April Fool's on this edition of the OTP. I don't like that stuff. Presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Not a April Fool's fan? I don't like pranks, really. It's not my thing. I don't like making other people feel stupid unless they deserve it. <laughs> I don't. I you, don't, don't you, have, you don't have that problem with me, though. Why, is, why do I not But qualify? I don't pull pranks on you. No. You, I ju- you just <laughs> I make just it, say r- it readily apparent to my yeah. face. No, I just I think pranks are mean. I don't like it. Okay. Well, we don't have to pull any pranks on the OTP. But what we do have is something interesting that we did this week. 
We did two of them. We did one on Monday at lunchtime, and we did one Wednesday night, and they were called Titans Huddles. And these were virtual gatherings where I had a chance to, to get the president and CEO, Burke Nihill, on. Coach Mack came on to talk some ball. Uh, we showed a new video that the team's creative group has put together that was really exciting. We got to show the Tennessee Tough video again, which I never get tired of seeing uh, the long-form version of that. And then what we're going to play for you was a, a roundtable discussion about something that we don't just get to stop and talk about enough. We haven't over the last four months, and that's why we wanted to share it with you, the OT people. And that is three of our top leaders who have been working hard on the renovation plan for Nissan Stadium that is to come and the East Bank development that is to come. Sit back and enjoy this conversation. Probably some things you hadn't heard before some things you had wondered about via some questions. I think you're going to enjoy hearing about the growth of the Titans, Nissan Stadium, and the East Bank from our Titans huddle on Wednesday, March the 31st. Glad to be joined now again by Bert Nyhill, the Titans president and CEO, and also Gil Beverly, Senior Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer, and also Adolfo Birch, the pride of Father Ryan High School, right here, <laughs> go Irish, Senior Vice President and Chief Legal Officer. And what we're going to talk about for a second is something you started hearing about in December, when it was announced that the Titans and the Mayor's Office starting to work on a plan to refurbish, to better, to really sort of make special Nissan Stadium, but also in the process to take the whole East Bank area and make it into something special. As we've seen East Nashville blossom, this would add something big to the neighborhood to take it to a different level. So the town's been buzzing, and the Titans put out the word at that point, hey, we want your input. Gil Beverly, you have seen fan surveys. Absolutely. You have been involved with the focus groups. As you've heard this talk over the last four months, what are you hearing from the fans? Well, one's just a great sense of excitement. People love Nissan Stadium. They love the Titans and the opportunity for an upgrade and see the evolution and for us to take everything to a new level, I think, have people you know, really fired up. And so that's exciting unto itself. Um, but in terms of what people are looking for, I think there are you know, really three themes that emerged. Um, one is social. You know, it used to be in the old days that you went to a game, you kind of filed into your seat, and you just sat there and you just watched. And, you know, the way stadiums have evolved now, people want to be able to hang out a little bit more. Maybe I want to talk to a buddy who's at a different part of the stadium, and I want to meet with them somewhere else and, and hang out for a little bit. Or I want to be able to move around and, and talk to different people instead of just sitting next to one person or whatever the case may be. And so what you'll see um, when we go through some of the concept um, images is that we're trying to create spaces that facilitate a little bit more social interaction. Um, so that was one. The second thing is food. Everyone loves food, right? So there's a desire to get more elevated food experiences in the building and to get more authentic Nashville. So where's the hot chicken? Where are the local, you know, the popular joints? I won't name any names yet, but hopefully we can get some of the more popular restaurants and eateries um, from around town into the building as well. And then last but not least is entertainment. You know, we, we vision 
Nissan Stadium as the biggest stage in Nashville, the biggest stage in all of Music City. And so what you'll see in a lot of the thinking and the concepts that we're working on is the opportunity to weave entertainment opportunities throughout the different spaces. So how do we put music all throughout the building? How do we create spaces for other types of shows, whether it's comedy, other performances? Um, and then, you know, even during games themselves, people want to be entertained by more than just football. So how can we make it easy for you to follow your fantasy stats, for you to follow your, uh, your bets, whatever the case may be. And so um, the opportunity to weave more multimedia throughout the building so that people are entertained um, in multiple facets throughout the day. Gail, you've brought with you some of the images of what is being talked about mm -hmm. right now. If you wouldn't mind, kind of take us through some of those. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I, I, you know, I want to caveat that these are all concept images. They're not final. The final result will not look exactly like this, but it'll give you a sense of what we're thinking and how we're weaving those three themes of social, food, and entertainment uh, throughout the spaces. So what you see here is the south end zone um, outside the building. Um, and the, the vision here is to create a really fun and engaging space for people to hang out before, during, and after the game. And what you see there is, you know, on the sort of in the middle towards the bottom of the screen there, there's a stage. So that's the entertainment part. So, um, you know, live bands um, before and after the game. Um, there's places to hang out and to meet up, meet up before the game and, and just sort of enjoy some food and drink. Um, you see the big video board, so if you want to hang out there and you want to get up from your seat and watch the game um, and, and, and experience it that way, you can. Um, you know, I imagine after games, um, there's the opportunity to follow the action from around the league here and maybe wait out the traffic. Um, and then one of the best things about this space that really excites us is that the idea is for this space to be activated throughout the year and not just during football games. So that, you know, Throughout the year, we'll be able to have small music shows there, different types of cultural events, um, you know, you name it, we'll be able to do it there. So it's a very exciting space. Um, it's something that everyone will have access to, um, and I think it'll bring a lot to the building. So here is one of our Uber Premium um, field uh, clubs. And what you see here is an area underneath the stands um, at the field level, and it's a high-end club where you can get a really elevated food and beverage experience. Um, the, the idea there is there, again, would be opportunity to build in music experiences and shows and um, for this space to be activated in any number of ways. Um, but one of the coolest um, aspects of this is that we envision the players actually getting into the field by walking through the club. And you can kind of see it towards the middle of the screen, um, towards the top there. That's the entrance into Nissan Stadium to the field there. So people who belong to this club will be able to watch the team come in and out. Um, and you can also see towards, um, as you're looking at the screen towards the left, um, you can see that's where the press conferences will be held. So after the game, people who belong to this club can come back and they can watch Coach Vrabel um, and the players be interviewed after a big Titans win. Um, and then similar to the first concept, we see this as something that can live throughout the year, host any number of types of events beyond football, and also be a cool place to experience concerts and other types of shows that happen at Nissan Stadium. And, and what you have here is an upper deck club um, that has you know, a number of features. So you know, again, going back to the three themes I mentioned, which were you know, social, entertainment, and, and, and food, you know, here it's a standing, you have a standing room only space that's connected to a bar and restaurant. 
um, and food opportunity um, that will also have TV screens and such. So again, you have the opportunity to walk around, um, to hang out with different people, um, to experience the game however you choose to do so. You can watch the, um, the field, you can watch on screens, you can hang out and just um, you know, share a few beers with your buddies, whatever the case may be. But we feel like this will be a more of an elevated experience at, um, for the upper deck. And it's important to kind of note that part of the strategy with the renovation is to provide you know, an elevated experience no matter where you sit. So this is an upper deck uh, solution. Um, we showed you the field club, which is a, you know, a sort of an uber premium um, option. And then there's going to be other uh, different products throughout the building at different price levels so that there ultimately would be something for everybody. Well, those are just concepts, just but concepts. that's exciting stuff right there. And if you're interested in learning more about that and also being able to provide your feedback, there's a website. If you go to um, NissanStadium.com, um, you can follow a link there, and there will be not only places for up, um, updates, but also opportunities to provide feedback for any ideas or concerns that you might have. That's exciting stuff. Now, I hit on the stuff about the stadium, but I also mentioned campus development. So, Burke. Let's turn to that. What does campus development mean in your mind, and what do the Titans kind of envision behind the campus development of Nissan Stadium? Sure, it's, it's, it's really exciting, Mike. Uh, I think we need to start by defining the real estate we're, we're talking about. So the, uh, the city has long referred to uh, the, the area where the stadium sits as the East Bank. The East Bank is generally the area between the Cumberland River and the highway that separates downtown from East Nashville and Edgefield and, and Casey. And, and our stadium sits in the kind of center of that, of that area. Um, it's, we have about 100 acres that we're sitting on that's either uh, part of our lease or other city-owned assets like riverfront parks and that sort of thing. And for a long time, the city has envisioned that, that this area, the East Bank, which is largely industrial, would become something bigger, more dynamic than that. Uh, it, it is, it's an industrial island between downtown and, and these neighborhoods that are on the other side. And in fact, Nissan Stadium being placed in the East Bank was originally seen as, as a likely catalyst for better development uh, in that area, and it just hasn't happened yet. So through multiple mayoral administrations, We've been listening to, to city planners about what they would like to see happening on the East Bank and, and participating in that longer term, bigger vision. And uh, we're still listening, as is the city, to the community, to civic leaders, uh, other stakeholders about what are the best opportunities, what are things to stay away from in that area. But unquestionably, uh, it will be better than asphalt parking lots. Uh, there's there's a, a riverfront that is hardly engaged in the shadow of this beautiful downtown skyline. And so how do you activate that in a way that gets people to come down to that area and use it? Um, what types of buildings would be appropriate and what type of layout would be appropriate to inspire people to, to have this be a, a vibrant community to, to live, work, and play? Uh, we're, we're working with the city to try and, and look at this as what it is. Um, this is really a precious and important piece of real estate in Nashville. And this isn't a 10-year plan that we're looking at. This is a 100-year plan because if done right, this, this area has the potential to really be a special place and iconic in, in Nashville for 100 years. So why did the Titans want to do this? Why is it so important to the organization? Well, I, I think it starts with being good community partners, Mike. Again, we, we just we want to be stewards of, of the resources that we have. And in this case, it's, it's the real estate on which our stadium sits. Uh, the city planners have seen that as a really, really central, pivotal part of the overall Nashville city plan. 
And so we've, we've been listening and we've been participating in that process. And, and we come at it, of course, from the view of, of Nissan Stadium and, and Titans fans. And we see a massive opportunity to really enhance game day and other event days uh, to make it a place where Titans fans can come 365 days a year and, and again, live, work, and play in the shadow of, of their, their favorite venue in town. All right, so Adolfo, now I mentioned up front your father, Ryan guy, your Nashville guy. I know you and your family took a lot of pride when we built Nissan Stadium and, and what it meant. And so as we sort of go into this second phase, as we refurbish Nissan Stadium and develop the campus area, why is community input and collaboration so important in your mind as we take this step forward? Well, I, I think, you know, you hit it on the head. I'm a Nashvilleian. Uh, I'm a Tennessean. And, uh, you know, for me, it's important that this project be something that's representative of and enhancing the value of all of our citizens and, and all of the people in the, the city, in our region, in our state. Uh, so for us, it's not just about fan feedback, uh, which as you heard, we have gotten a lot of fan feedback on things that they might want or, or you know, possible experiences that they might want to envision for game day. But it's also about our normal citizens, our people who live in the city who want a new place to go or who want a new place to live, who want a new place to work. Uh, and we think, based on all of our discussions, that this area can be a fabulous place that will enhance the reputation of our city, will enhance the reputation of Tennessee, uh, and we want to be a part of that. We want to help to bring that vision to life in a way that requires us to really talk to everybody, understand what all the people's uh, interests are, what people's objectives are, and what their perspectives are. And so we're going to try to do that and, and really make this place exactly what uh, Nashvilleans and Tennesseans would like. All right, Adolfo, two-parter for you. Where are we in this process right now and what needs to happen to take this process forward in 2021? Well, uh, I guess going off of, of some of the previous points, uh, you know, we started talking to the community. One of the big things uh, in, in helping us to do that was to talk about it in December and announce uh, sort of that we were in these discussions that gave us a little more of an opportunity to go out and speak to people. Uh, I did a big uh, meeting, uh, it, I think it was called in, in Imagine East Nashville uh, in February. And that was a great opportunity to, to talk to people and hear what their concerns were, people in the East Nashville area in particular, but people from all over. Uh, and I think going forward, our, our plan is to continue to talk at the city and state level. Uh, at the, I think at the city level, we're really focusing on planning uh, and then talking to Metro Council and trying to work through those processes. On the state level, we're really trying to focus on our bill and making sure that the bill provides us a long-term financing and, and funding model to ensure that all this stuff can happen. So. Those are kind of the things we're working on right now. We, we feel like we've been making great progress. We've had great partners, great discussions. Uh, so we, we really feel good about where we are. All right, I got questions from season ticket members. You guys uh -huh. ready? <laughs> All right, we're gonna start south of town. Greg from Wartrace. What's the timeline for the stadium renovations? 
I think that's you know. mine. That's Gail. <laughs> we'll put that to you. Try not to make too big of a commitment that we, you know, we'll see how we can live into it. But, um, you know, it's a complex question because there's a lot of moving parts. You know, um, in addition to, you know, obviously Tennessee Titans football, um, we have any number of concerts. Uh, currently, Nashville SC is playing their games or their matches um, here on the pitch. Um, and we have other events as well that we have to be able to plan around. But the ultimate ambition is to try to have the renovation completed within three to five years. And so um, we hope to be able to do that um, and to have our standard run of show in terms of all these the other events to happen as they normally would um, within our normal schedule and sort of work around those. So it would be done in stages. That's right. So, you know, it's with something, a build out that's this dramatic, you can't do it all in one off season or in one year or whatever. So, again, you kind of have to plan around um, the various events and games and matches that, that happen and try to get what you can get done when the building's available. And again, with minimum disruption to the things we want to do here. I think I got a Burke Nihil question here. <laughs> Albert from Goodlettsville. Will the stadium have full capacity this year? I sure hope so, Mike. I, I think there's there's solid reason for hope. Obviously, the the vaccine rollout has has gone well so far, um, and uh, even the commissioner just yesterday offered his feelings of hope that that across the NFL we'll have full capacity in our venues in the fall. The the, the truth of it is, we'll apply, we'll apply the same principles that we applied last year in 2020. We're going to only open up our stadium to the extent that it's safe. Uh, but in conversations with, with medical professionals and public health professionals, uh, certainly as we sit here in March, or I guess April, sorry, 2021. Oh, is it tomorrow? Okay, I got my days mixed up. But as we sit here today, uh, in the fall, uh, we, I think there's really very good reason for hope that we'll be able to, to host at full capacity. All right. Next question. Jim from Old Hickory. Are you working on a long-term master plan that would allocate land for residential development, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, park space, riverfront access, et cetera? Mm. That sounds okay. like a golf phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, I think we talked about that a little bit already, but yes, the, the, the idea, you know, we, we have a central location within a bigger picture called the East Bank. Uh, I think the city has a plan for the entire East Bank, and we've been actively participating in that. We want to be, uh, you know, a part of the solution. And, and that solution, hopefully, uh, and we think expectingly, will consider everything. It'll be a place for people to live. It'll be a place for people to work. It'll be a place for people to have recreation, get some air, be outside, uh, and also to enjoy a game or two. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from our view, uh, we think all of those things are critical. You know, I, I, I was telling Burke yesterday that in, in my view, I see this whole thing as a, a project in which the neighborhood is there and now we're going to build a stadium. So if I, I almost look at it backwards and I, I think what would that neighborhood look like if it were there first? Interesting. And so for us, that's the big picture. That's the vision. And, and we hope we can achieve all of those results with, you know, partnership and, and collaboration with a, a, a great many people. <laughs> I think if anybody's picturing something that they've seen before, they're not picturing its, its full potential. Uh, the reality is there is a blank canvas in this unbelievable spot between downtown and, and these vibrant neighborhoods on the other side with, with a, an NFL stadium in, in the middle of it. So 
we're, we're trying to take a slow process with the city to identify what are these best uses, but it's, it's going to be spectacular. And my next one's from West Tennessee, Harry in Bartlett. He says, what do the Titans view as more important, home field advantage or fan experience? Or C, both. <laughs> both. <laughs> All of the above. Yes, sir. I, I mean, I think the reality, Mike, is that if you aim for fan experience, you're going to hit home field advantage, right? I mean, everything Gil described in terms of the spaces we're trying to create, it's, it's, to, it's to make Nissan Stadium and Titans games in particular the, the type of experience that, that you just don't want to miss. You're, you're, you're not going to miss, and it's, and it's going to be an inspiring place to watch a game, and one when you know, Derrick Henry is ripping off a 99-yard run uh, you're just going to you know, stand up and cheer your lungs out. So we're, we're, our target is fan experience, knowing that home field advantage will come. And I'd like to add on to that. You know, so I oversee our marketing team, and what I tell our group is that you know, we don't suit up, but we're here to help the team win. And the way we do that is by creating the most connected, engaged, rabid, excited group of fans that we possibly can. We want to inspire them to come every week and we want them to bring the energy and bring the heat and to really help, you know, inspire our team to, to their best performances. And then talking to uh, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, it does make a difference when that happens. So um, I agree with Burke. It's really all of the above and, and we have to have both. Stephen from Sumner County is next. Are you considering adding things for kids and families that would make a more fun and interactive experience before and during the games? So I'll take that one. Um, you know, specific elements of the stadium are still TBD in terms of the renovation, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're we're in the football business and the entertainment business, right? But we're also in the memories business, and there's something that's really precious about, you know people bringing their kids to, to the ballpark and having those experiences that, you know, those kids are going to grow up and remember for the rest of their lives. I think we all have had that to some varying degrees. And that's a real uh, precious uh, responsibility for us. And we want to have a building and an experience that lives into that and that is worthy of that. So um, we want this to be a place where families can be comfortable and have really, you know, never been done before and surprise and delight opportunities and um, and things that they're really going to, you know, leave leave Nissan Stadium with something that, that they're going to take with them forever. Another family related question is next. Brent from Vandalia. Can you touch on the sensory room for guests with sensory issues or on the autism spectrum or on the autism spectrum, I should say? I don't know. Gil may have planted that question because that's an outstanding question. Uh, I, I will say this. We, we have some big announcements to come, uh, and I, I do not want to give away those announcements just yet, but I think you'll hear some exciting news relatively soon. Uh, but, you know, know that that has long been one of our priorities, and uh, we've been working with a great group called Culture City uh, that's been helping us to make sure that we're adequately taken care of and thinking about uh, folks with needs in that area. Uh, we've worked with our staff to train them up to, to make sure that they can sort of be of service and be of assistance as well. Uh, and I, I think really the question goes as much to accessibility overall and, and you know what we're talking about uh, on all of these is some view and some vision that we're going to make sure that everybody who wants to come to our games can enjoy them everybody who wants to come to an event 
at Nissan Stadium will enjoy it. And so we are going to make that top priority, and we're going to be sure that that's a part of anything we do. All right. Stay with the questions here. Bill from Nashville. Will, <laughs> will the number of parking spaces at Nissan Stadium be affected by the campus development? The old parking question. <laughs> Um, I'll take that one. Um, the answer is yes, um, given that, uh, you know, the bulk of the development that we're talking about is going to occur on what's now empty parking lots. Um, and so necessarily the, the parking equation for events and for Titans games are going to um, evolve. But obviously parking is a key element of the fan experience that we're talking about. We want people to be uh, able to access uh, the building and our events with uh, the, the best, the most ease as possible, as efficiently and as uh, easily as possible. And so we're going to be looking at ways to optimize um, that evolution. Um, I don't have specifics yet, but um, obviously we, we see that as a high priority in terms of making sure that that's a smooth process for our fans and our customers. We're also, we're, we're trying to just step back and and to, to get to the root of that question certainly there's going to be parking you know at the in, in the stadium campus but really it's a transportation question right and and how can we engage the river in that process i, I don't know what the answer is going to be but we're looking into it can what if what if you had a ferry um that where, where fans could park in a parking garage up the river and and uh, and gets dropped off at a marina in front of our stadium. There's actually train tracks. Most people probably don't realize that. There's train tracks uh, in between our, our stadium and, and the river. So we're really trying to be creative and, and, and not just do something incrementally different. But if you can end up having all of those transportation experiences, it really kind of creates a festival atmosphere, right? So um, we're, we're not just looking at the static parking lot uh, issue. We're, we're looking at other ways to, to get fans to the game. So you're taking the parking mindset like you're taking everything else and just throwing it all out there and, and trying to look at all of it. Interesting. Uh, Sam from Memphis. Oh, this is a football question. <laughs> How do you think the offense will evolve with Todd Downing as the new offensive coordinator? Well, Sam, being a Memphian, you know Arthur Smith did a great job for us, and we wish him well as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, unless they end up playing the Tennessee Titans in the postseason. So... Maybe that'll happen, but Todd Downing is a great choice. He's been an offensive coordinator in this league. He's been a quarterback coach. He's worked with our tight ends. And when you're a tight end coach in the NFL, that means you're also in on the passing game, game planning, and the run game, game planning. Uh, one of the few offensive coaches who really does both. Uh, he's a talented young guy. I think for those of us internally, we thought the same thing when Arthur Smith was promoted, and that is, this is a pretty obvious move. So excited about Todd Downing and what he's going to bring. He has a tough act to follow, but certainly he has some talented players. I think he'll put his stamp on it, and I, I think he will keep the continuity with our offense that we've had the last two years under Arthur Smith. So sorry to see Arthur go. I hoped we could get one more year out of him. Selfishly, <laughs> I was hoping that maybe he'd stay one more season, but I think Todd Downing will do a great job. All right. Last question. Oh, this is one. This is interesting. Several people have submitted this. Some of the examples, Kyle, Fonda, Andre, JD. Will the renovations help our chances of hosting a Super Bowl? Burke Nihill. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, look, we're, what we're talking about is a Super Bowl quality venue. Sure. And uh, we got to know the NFL events team very well in 2019 when the NFL draft was here. And I, I feel very sorry for Cleveland and every other draft city that's going to come after Nashville. It was just so well done. And the city uh, showed up big time for that event. 600,000 people came through. And, and, and then I felt got to see firsthand how this city does big events. So when you combine a Super Bowl quality venue with a Super Bowl quality city, I, I, we're absolutely going to throw our hat in the ring and, and hope to have a Super Bowl or two. And have Adolfo call some of those guys at the NFL office. <laughs> He's got direct line. He's got a direct line. <laughs> Adolfo Birch, Gil Beverly, Burke Nihill, thank you so much for this and uh, for giving this insight into what is uh, just incredibly exciting. That just gets you fired up, right? There's a lot of good stuff in there, Mike Keith. That was awesome. Yeah, they did a they did a great job. Gil Beverly, also Burke Nihill, and Adolfo Birch, the Nashville legend. His name is legendary here. Certainly, his father was a legendary figure, but he's done pretty well on his own. Yeah, yeah, just uh, fine. But the Birch name certainly means a lot to people from Davidson County, and it's very exciting to have him as part of our team with the Titans and so involved in this process. I I, I really believe it. The, the future is so bright for this franchise, football and non-football. Absolutely. And you, know, the, you say, well, what's the difference? It's like, well, the, the business side and the commitment that Amy Adams-Strunk and Kenneth Adams and Barkley Adams and Susan Lewis, the, our ownership group, have put into the business side, the, the money that they have put into it, uh, the staff that they've added. We, we know what they've done with football. We know what they've done with scouting and technology and facilities and new uniforms and all of those sorts of things. And you know through five winning seasons, but we're seeing the same thing everybody everywhere else because our ownership group truly believes that to be successful, You've got to have a championship team on and off the field. Absolutely. And we've seen Amy invest in every aspect of this team. There's not one stone that is left unturned in terms of where she is willing to make changes and make an impact. Right. And I think that that, as someone who is part of the organization, it's so exciting. It is. To know that she is all in on this team in every possible way and will do whatever it takes to take you to the next level. I think it's remarkable. I'm so excited about the things that are happening for this team. Yeah, good stuff yep. overall. All right, well, that's going to wrap up uh, this edition of the OTP. Hope you have a good Easter. Hey, you too, Mike Keith. Yes, have a nice Easter weekend. And, and all, to all our OT people, happy Easter to you, and thanks for joining us for this edition of the program. We're hearing we're going to get to talk to Mike Vrabel. I'm kind of excited. Yeah, that, that's looming. What we want you to do is – Start submitting your OTP cues. Go to TennesseeTitans.com slash OTPQ. And if you'd like to ask the coach a question, fire that at him. I would do it sooner rather than later. I think so. We're still we're not clear as we record this about when we're going to be able to grab him. But we are being advised we will be able to grab him in the very near future. So fire away. My recommendation to the OT people is if you have something in your brain right now that's kind of milling about that maybe you would like to ask Mike Vrabel, 
just do it right now. TennesseeTitans.com slash OTPQ. Just go on there. Go. Put it in there. Go. You know, just make sure it's done. Don't put it off. Do it now. And we'll get those to the headball coach at some point. Again, we're anticipating that this is coming sooner rather than later. So do it now. Do it right now. Okay. For Ashley Farrell, thank you for your help as usual. Great job. And for Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. And thanking you, the OTP, for being part of the official Titans podcast. Better known as the OTP. Where the legends go, everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.